Today on Abounding Grace from Ed Taylor. The best place you have in the world today is to be in Christ. In Christ. To allow him to fight your battles. To, to stand behind him. To assert his presence who's, who lives in you and around you in the situation that you're in. This is amazing grace. From Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, this is Abounding Grace. Thanks for being with us. In a moment, Pastor Ed Taylor will be turning our attention to Jude. And in verses 8 through 11, we're going to spotlight a warning that there will be those that will not endure sound doctrine. It's something we're seeing in large measure today, so we do well to lean in to hear and receive what Jude has to say. With a lot of ground to cover, let's get right to it. Here's Pastor Ed. Take your Bibles, open them to the book of Jude going to continue our verse-by-verse study in the book of Jude. There's only one chapter we're going to pick up in verse 8 where we left off. And the title of our message tonight is, Which Way Are You Going? Which Way Are You Going? In our study last time, we were given three examples of apostasy that Jude gave and exhorted us to be careful as we contend for the faith or we fight for the faith. It's almost like the Holy Spirit is saying, you you think that what you're feeling and what you're seeing and what you're experiencing today is brand new, but it's not. Let me remind you of the past. There have been apostates throughout human history, those that have walked away, those that have turned away, those that have that revelation that they never really had a real walk with their God. He reminded us to remember Israel and their rejection, their unbelief. He reminded us to remember rebellious angels. And then he also said, don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah. And as we literally live out the last days unfolding before us, the things that we believe and thought were still yet future are happening, which is going to draw out a response for us. You can jot it down. Remember, Paul gave the warning in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Listen, in verse 1 it says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. And he tells Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And by the way, that's a mandate to every man every woman that takes the Bible into hand, but especially those men that are called to pastoral ministry, to leadership in the church. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering. Preach the word. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Who? The ones you're supposed to preach to? Convince, rebuke, exhort. There's going to come a day where they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. 
But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, and do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministries. So much to unpack in that passage, but I want to zero in on this warning, or at least this description, that there will be those who don't endure sound doctrine. For so long, this has been taught as an application to those outside of the church, outside of the church. Like, of course, the world doesn't want to hear. The world doesn't want to hear the truth, doesn't want to hear Bible study. So they're going to search for teachers and religious leaders and people that will scratch their ears. But friends, this is not for those only outside of the church. It's for you as well. Listening to me, pastor, teaching the Bible, wanting to preach the word and convince and exhort and open up what the Bible has to say and apply it to your life. This is a warning to you. There are many today that are no longer enduring sound doctrine. I mean, they are literally on YouTube all day, hunting and searching and finding people, teachers or so-called teachers that agree with them and, and fulfill the, all their thoughts and their suspicions. And, and you go, Ed, how do you know that? Because so many are sending me those links to YouTube. And I, even after I said, stop sending those links to me, they still, I still get Links that usually start, the email usually starts like this. I know you asked me not to send any links, but would you please watch this 90-minute video and tell me what you think? No. I don't have time to watch the 90-minute video you found buried deeply somewhere in the YouTube vault of things that now you've confused yourself. And now you're uncertain. And now you don't know. And now you're beginning to doubt and you're wondering now, Ed, help me, help me. This here, I'm going to give you the help. Stop watching YouTube videos and get back into the Bible and just spend that time reading the scriptures, praying to God, learning what he has to say. Learn to crucify your own desires. Learn to deny yourself and follow Jesus. It's not that I don't want to help you. Of course I do. And it's not that I don't want to help straighten out your theology. Of course I do. But I don't have time to undo the difficulties you created for yourself out of your own disobedience. I would say the first, st the first step to getting out of confusion is to repent. To repent for the pathway that you've chosen. Listen, don't misunderstand me. There's value in watching Bible studies and YouTube videos. That's not what I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to the fulfillment of looking for teachers to scratch your itching ears. You falling trapped to the reality of the simple Bible, simple Bible reading, simple Bible study is not enough for you anymore. And even the answers that you get, they don't satisfy you. So you look for another, they don't satisfy you until finally, oh, this is the one. But if he's right, then we're in trouble. You were actually in trouble the moment you walked away from the word and submitted your ear. I think there's a Bible study. I know there's a Bible study, but I think the title up on our, um, on, on our website and on our app is, Who Has Your Ear? Who Has Your Ear? That would be a very good Bible study. If you just put the word ear, I think for sure that's in the title. Uh, I think it's a study I did in the book of Romans, uh, Who Has Your Ear? It's a very important Bible study when it comes to, very important teaching when it comes to who you give your ear to. Because who you give your ear to has you. Who you choose to listen to, who you choose to follow, who you choose to submit yourself to, they have you. 
And they can take you wherever they want you to go. Join me in getting back to the simplicity of our walk with the Lord. We're going to be learning that in our weekend studies through this section in Acts coming up. Simple, 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 simple. That's in the complicated, confusing world. The antidote to confusion is simple truth. Letting God speak to you. Jude is saying something similar, but he's taking it a little bit higher, a little bit more deep, if you will, of the difficulty of people that will take advantage of your itching ears. Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, remember he started to write this note with the intention of encouraging the believers in Jerusalem. But as he was writing, the Holy Spirit took him in a new direction. And instead of writing an encouraging note, he wrote a note of exhortation and warning. And the theme of the book of Jude is apostasy, or that word means to defect or walk away from the faith. Unfortunately, it's hard to see apostasy until it happens. And then it becomes pretty evident. We learn in 1 John, a whole group of people leaving, and John says the reason why they left is they were never of us. They were hanging out with us. They learned the language, bought the Bibles. They were hanging out with fellowship. But how, how do we know they were never with us? Because they left. Again, for clarification in our culture today, this isn't somebody choosing to go to another church or somebody leaving our particular church family. But those that you would look and go, they walked away from the faith. They go, oh, what happened? What's happening with them? Well, they just showed through their behavior they were never in the faith. They never had a full commitment to Jesus. They never had a true repentance of sin. They stopped at a cultural Christianity, at a convenient Christianity, Or in the book of Romans chapter 1, they lived a life where they created a God in their own image. And even the God in their own image wasn't satisfying to them. And with apostasy, even though it's hard to see until it happens, you know that it's surrounded with dishonesty, with lies, with deception, and hypocrisy. They all go together. So let's pick up in verse 8 where we left off last time as we tackle the next few verses. Likewise... These dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. He's describing the false teachers, and when he uses the word likewise, he's comparing them in a similar way to those examples that he just gave us. And notice they defile the flesh. They live in and for their fleshly habits. As we've defined the word flesh before, it's not your skin and bones Biblically, flesh refers to your old sinful habit patterns, the life that you lived apart from Christ. For those of us that got saved later in life, you know, all the bad habits, all the sinful habits that we had before we were saved. For those of you that have lived in a godly home or have lived in a Christian environment, your flesh is revealed along the way as your characteristics and behaviors don't measure up to the high calling of Jesus Christ. So we have Those of us got saved later, we have flesh. Those of us that were raised in a godly home have the flesh. And it's described for us all in Galatians. Not only did it defile the flesh, but they also notice, secondly, reject authority. Reject authority. Jude is not simply wanting us to be reminded of the dangers of false teachers and teachings, but he's describing them in depth, showing us what it looks like behind the veil. They reject authority. And that's really where it starts. The rejection of authority. This isn't just merely the rejection of authority in the world. You know, there's those bumper stickers, reject, question authority, reject authority. It's not, it's not simply that. That's actually a byproduct of their rejection of divine authority. 
The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Just that phrase, anyone that holds to the philosophy and the theory of humanistic evolution has rejected God and his authority in their lives. This is a hard one to admit. This is a hard one to come to terms with. Because you may be, you may be listening right now, but I believe in God, but do you believe in his authority in your life? Well, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, which God are you talking about? I'm talking about the God of the Bible. Well, then I don't know if I, I, I accept his authority. How do I even find his authority? I don't, I don't need you to tell me. No, you actually don't. When you reject, when you accept God and his authority, his authority is his word in your life. Not a pastor, not a church. My authority in your life is simply to point you to the Lord and you submit to his authority. That, that's the best and only place that you and I can find. Now, you may demonstrate a lack of authority by being unsubmissive to people that put authority over you. But when you reject God's authority, you're rejecting divine authority. All of us, whether we admit it or not, are under the authority of God's word. God's word is direct. God's word is prescriptive. God's word is corrective. God's word is authoritative. So hold your places here. Anything from Jude except for Revelation is going to be to the left. So go over with me in your own Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is an important fundamental scripture on the authority of God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3. When you get there, notice with me verse 14. Again, Paul is writing to this young man who is in leadership in the church, Timothy, and he writes in verse 14 of 2 Timothy 3. But as for you, continue... In the things of which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This word, the Bible, for us translated into English from the original language, is the authoritative document in your life. It is the authoritative document in your life. How do we know the character and nature of God? How do we know his heart on, on matters? We know it from his word. God has given us pastors and teachers to help us understand it, but you also have the Holy Spirit. So you're reading the Bible at home, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, that's for you. You're the one with itching ears. And you might go back and go, oh, I remember Pastor Ed said that, but I didn't really pay attention to him. And, and that the Holy Spirit's saying, no, you're the one. You're the itching ears one. And then you're, now you have a decision where I submit myself to the authority of God's word. You just got mad at somebody. The Holy Spirit says, you know, be angry and not sin. You're just reading through the Bible. Be angry and not sin. Then the Holy Spirit says, remember when you were angry with so-and-so, go make it right. Will you be under the authority? It's, it's simple. As you're reading the scriptures, God will speak to you. I'm not saying that there aren't difficult sections in the Bible, hard things to understand. Of course there are. Uh, Peter, we learned that. Remember Peter? He was referring to Paul and he goes, man, some of the things Paul wrote were hard to understand. So, you know, the things that are hard to understand, separate them, set them aside. They could be further study and pay attention to the things that are easy to understand. God's word is authoritative. It is inspired. It is profitable. It will mature you. You will be thoroughly equipped for what? Every good work. 
God is ready. Notice, come back in Jude now. They reject authority, and he refers to them in verse 8, these dreamers, these dreamers. It's unfortunate you don't listen to our current culture today that uses that word in some negative political way. He, he's speaking about a group of people that are living in an unreal world. They're dreamers. They're controlled by their feelings, experiences, even if it's not in the word. You could say that these, are, these false teachers were living in a dream world filled with falsehoods of their own making, lacking a real foundational reality, which is what happens when you reject authority, which is what happens when you live a life of dirtying your life by the flesh. You, you are, they are dreamers. Not only that, notice it says in verse 8 that they speak evil of dignitaries. Dignitaries, this speaks of the spiritual realm. Uh, there's a lot of debate on who the dignitaries are, the glorious ones. It's translated in some uh, translations. Uh, it could be the angelic realm. But, but whoever the dignitaries are, let, let's speak to the speaking evil. Speaking evil is a place of pride. Speaking evil of others is a place of pride. The place of pride, is, it starts with this. I am better than them, and I want you to know that. Now, of course, think about the last time you spoke evil. You didn't lead with that. But, the, but, but to put someone down is at the same time elevating someone. When you put someone down, you speak evil. Not just speak bad, but speak evil. You're putting someone down, and as you're speaking, you're raising yourself up. And the arrogance and the pride that comes when we compare ourselves with one another and we live in such a way where we look down on people. And here they are speaking evil of the divine realm or even you could say divine authority within the context. Yet notice verse 9, Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring in against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these evil ones, these speak evil of whatever they do not know. Whatever they know naturally, like brute beast, in these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, verse 11, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. More comparisons we'll get to in a moment. But in the realm of the spirit, you have this battle. This is an interesting verse, isn't it? Verse 9. Whatever. We don't have any record of this. Uh, let me show you at least uh, a hint of where this might have taken place. Would you turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 34 with me? Deuteronomy chapter 34. There's this battle over the body of Moses. And you wonder, why would there be a fight over the body of Moses? Well, the same reason that why people today uh, are looking for the, or at least say that they have pieces of the cross. You know, if somebody shows up with a relic and say, this is an authentic piece of the cross, that piece of wood is going to get more attention than the Savior that hung on it. And so the body of Moses being something that could be looked upon and revered and honored, Moses was highly respected uh, within Judaism uh, among the Jewish people today. Uh, hey, you know, the body of Moses could be very valuable. So there's some kind of fight for it. It's not recorded for us in Scripture, but notice in verse 5 of Deuteronomy 34, it says, so, the Moses, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. 
And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Beor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Uh, you know, Michael the archangel um, and the devil knew. <laughs> in spiritual realm, they knew where it was. And there's a fight now coming back into Jude. There's a fight over it. What's important, I believe, in seeing this fight is how Michael the archangel uses it in dealing with the devil head on. And I think it has great application for us today, especially with what you see on so-called Christian television today, where you've got people walk, running around screaming at the devil. And the Lord rebuke, I rebuke you devil. And they're just like, you know, I bind you and I swing you around and throw you out the window. And, and, and they get, you know, red in the face and looking right in the camera and they're just binding the devil all the time and yelling at him and screaming at him, which I believe is a position that's not given to us. Not even Michael the archangel in the role that he had rebuked the devil head on. He says, the Lord take care of you. The best place you have in the world today is to be in Christ. In Christ. To allow him to fight your battles. To, to stand behind him. To assert his presence Who's, who lives in you and around you in the situation that you're in. And I've always wondered on a very practical, if these guys on TV were really binding the devil, why is he still running around? It sounds like that should be done one time. And just have, it's done. Why? Because it's unbiblical. It's manipulative. You have this, these false teachers, and I believe in a general sense, although Jude's talking about a particular group in the first century, I think as we pull back, here today, the, the false teachers have a, have a rejection. They live, they're fleshly men and women. They, they reject the truth. They defile themselves and others in the flesh. They certainly reject authority. We've seen that through this church many, many, many times. When someone is confronted with what we see or hear, their response is very telling. Will they listen? Will they explain? Do we have it wrong? Or will they get mad, angry, fight? You don't know. Who are you? Who are you to say that? I, you know, I'm just, I'm the God-given authority of this church. That's who I am. In one sense, I'm really nobody. But in another sense, I've been given charge to watch over this flock. That's who I am. And you don't have access or permission to hurt this church. And that may just be a prophetic word to someone checking it out. It's like, well, you know, we, we like to go to larger churches and take advantage of people. And, well, you know, we, we, don't, we pray against you. And we pray that God reveals to you, reveals you to us, I should say. But also, that's a good thing. We pray, we should start praying God reveals you to you. So you can repent. You're listening to Abounding Grace and part of a study in Jude from Pastor Ed Taylor. We've noticed today there will be those around us that will not endure sound doctrine. Pastor Ed's message goes by the title of, Which Way Are You Going? Stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com if you'd like a replay or listen to Pastor Ed through our app. Search for Calvary Church or Ed Taylor and download that today. We've been blessed in recent months as we hear from people who have called or written to let us know that they listen and how God is doing a great work through the teaching of His Word. We're so thankful to God for this. And if you'd like to share your story, please email us through our website at aboundinggraceradio.com. We really do want to hear from you. 
And we also have a book we'd like to get into your hands that can help you overcome discouragement and even depression. It's Struggling Under the Broom Tree by Pastor Bill Gem. It seems like a day doesn't go by that we don't hear of someone who's really down and discouraged. The past couple of years have really been rough. Did you realize that the prophet Elijah also struggled with fear, doubt, and depression? And you'll read about it in this book, but also how God would lift him out from under the broom tree of despair. Pastor Bill reveals God's rescue plan for discouragement in Struggling Under the Broom Tree. Request a copy when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. We're here to serve you at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or just go online to calvaryco.store. And thank you for helping us get the word out on stations like this one. As you partner with us, it's thrilling to see how God uses it in great ways to bless and encourage so many lives through the radio. Another convenient way to make a donation is online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Celebrating over 20 years of God's faithfulness, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 